Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. What is a leader? Um, obviously, a leader assumes that there's somebody who's leading and somebody who's following. So it's a person who influences others, but a lot of times it's not so much in the, the way we would think. Sometimes uh, a leader is somebody in the background who just has a strong, powerful influence on other people's lives. Uh, I've seen a number of people in, that have, have gone to be with Jesus who were very quiet and kind of in the background, and you find out they've influenced all these people. There's a full room in the church house with all the people, the long line of all the people that they've influenced, and uh, what, a, what a blessing that is. And so uh, all of us are leaders in some way, right? We have, we have influence on our families. We have influence on our friends. Um, we have influence on those we know in this body of, of believers here. Uh, and you have influence in, in the, if you work, you have influence in the workplace um, and where you do your normal everyday activities, the people that you interact with, there's an influence that's there. With some it may be a strong influence, with others it may not be so strong. But we all have influence and we all can lead in various ways. Uh, and we need to have our ears and our eyes open to how we can influence other people. Uh, and so we... We're looking vertically, but we're also listening. Um, uh, we're looking horizontally, but we're also looking uh, and listening vertically to what God would have us to do and how God would have us uh, to influence others. And so uh, we need this. And thank God for the people that have influenced us in our lives. Uh, we need to then take that role of being an influencer for other people. And Nehemiah does a great job of that. He is in, a, in an open and outward leadership position. But uh, the principles that he uses here can be used in a lot of different contexts uh, that may not involve having an official leadership position. But, uh, but Nehemiah does well with this. And, and he's dealing with a time of crisis. Um, they've experienced out, out, uh, outside opposition. Now they're experiencing internal conflict. There are those within the people of God who are working, even working on the wall, who are taking advantage of each other. In order to work on the wall, guess what they had to do? They had to take time away from their work. And so what was happening? Well, they didn't have as much money. Well, if you're poor and you don't have as much money, you can't buy as much food. And so some of them were going into debt. Others were having to sell their land to pay taxes. Uh, and there were those who looked at all this and they said, here's an opportunity. We will take this opportunity uh, to repossess the fields of our brothers. <laughs> okay, And uh, we'll look at this as an opportunity to get rich on the poor circumstances of our brothers. And so... Uh, this outcry begins to come to Nehemiah, and he realizes, hey, uh, there's a real problem here. I've got to, to deal with this, or this community is going to be torn apart, and we're not going to be able to do the work of God that he's called us to do. And so he, he's looking at this crisis, and he's wanting to, to work and, and lead in this crisis, and, uh, and, and he does so in a very good way. 
And some of the things he does are instructive for us. And so we need to lead as God gives us opportunity and as he leads us, especially in times of crisis. And so the title of my message is Leading in Times of Crisis. And if you look with me at verse 1 of Nehemiah 5, we'll begin reading from there. It says, There was a widespread outcry from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. Some were saying, We are sons and our daughters are numerous. Let us get grain so that we can eat and live. Others were saying, We are mortgaging our fields, vineyards, and homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, We have borrowed money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. We and our children are just like our countrymen and their children. Yet we are subjecting our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters are already enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. I became extremely angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. After seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and officials, saying to them, Each of you is charging his countrymen interest. So I called a large assembly against them and said, We have done our best to buy back our Jewish countrymen who were sold to foreigners, but now you sell your own countrymen, and we have to buy them back. They remained silent and could not say a word. Then I said, What you are doing isn't right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God and not invite the reproach of our foreign enemies? Even I, as well as my brothers and my servants, have been lending them money and grain. Please let us stop charging this interest. Return their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses to them immediately, along with the percentage of the money, grain, and new wine, and fresh oil that you have been assessing them. They responded, We will return these things and require nothing more from them. We will do as you say. So I summoned the priests and made everyone take an oath to do this. I also shook the folds of my robe and said, May God likewise shake from his house and property Everyone who doesn't keep this promise, may he be shaken out and have nothing. The whole assembly said amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they promised. Furthermore, from the day King Artaxerxes appointed me to be governor in the land of Judah from the 20th year until his 32nd year, that's 12 years, I and my associates never ate food allotted to the governor. The governors who preceded me had heavily burdened the people, taking from them food and wine as well as a pound of silver, Uh, and their subordinates also oppressed the people. But because of the fear of God, I didn't do this. Instead, I devoted myself to the construction of this wall, and all my subordinates were gathered there for the work. We didn't buy any land. There were 150 Jews and officials as well as guests from the surrounding nations at my table. Each day, one ox... Six choice sheep and some fowl were prepared for me. An abundance of all kinds of wine was provided every ten days. But I didn't demand the food allotted to the governor because the burden on the people was so heavy. Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. So leading in times of crisis, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to hear the people, okay, or hear uh, if, if it's in a more personal context, you would recognize the problem somebody's facing as they share with you that problem and, and uh, what needs to be done. Sometimes we're so consumed with the things that we're doing and in our, in our uh, plans and our schedule that we don't have time to listen to people. 
But Jesus took time to listen to the needs of people, and so should we. Uh, Nehemiah does a great job with this, and, and he hears about the issues and the problems that are there. Uh, you can't solve a problem if you don't know about it, and if you've not heard the problem in the, in the way it needs to be heard. So, um, verse 1 says there's a widespread outcry from the people. So, this isn't just some grumbling in the background. This is an outcry. This is something that's very serious. Uh, people, and, and to understand kind of the context here, the Israelites were told in the law that they were not supposed to charge each other interest. When, when you lent to a fellow Israelite that was in need, you were supposed to do it out of the love and generosity of your heart and not charge them interest uh, so that that person wouldn't become further impoverished by the loan that was given. And they could charge interest to people outside of the land of Israel but not within the land of Israel. Also, one thing they would do if, if things got so bad that they couldn't pay their bills, they couldn't eat, they didn't have the money to eat, uh, they didn't have Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, so what they would do is a lot of times they would sell themselves. It's kind of like an indentured servant. Uh, you may have heard about those and people that would sell themselves as an indentured servant to come over to the United States years ago. Uh, it was similar to that. They would sell themselves, and it was supposed to be a limited time, according to the law, a six-year period at the most, and they were to be set free. But uh, this would provide them a means of eating and having what they needed in their time of crisis, uh, and so they wouldn't be, be uh, penniless and without anything uh, in that time. And so uh, they're doing this. They're, they're selling themselves into slavery, and they're... Um, so that they can have even the, the food that they need to eat. Um, and, and this is a bad situation. And, and these other Israelites are taking advantage of the hard situation that they're in to cause them a problem. Um, you know, we used to, I remember every time I talk about a uh, used car salesman taking advantage of somebody, Bob Williams used to come up to me and say, now, not all of us are like that. Yeah, so, but but as, as God's people, that is true, by the way. But uh, as God's people, we don't need to take advantage of each other, right? And we, need to, we need to have love for each other. And so, uh, we, if anything, we need to be very generous with, with each other and uh, very patient with each other uh, when, when there is someone who is going through a time of crisis in their lives. And so, uh, Nehemiah hears what's happening, and, and he gets angry. Which, by the way, did you know you can be a good and godly leader and be angry? Uh, sometimes that, sometimes that, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Now, most of the time, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God, okay? So we've got to be careful about that. We've got to be sensitive to that. But, but it is true that sometimes there can be an issue where anger is appropriate, Right? And so uh, Nehemiah is, is, he's heard the people and he's angry, but he doesn't just lash out. He doesn't do something hasty uh, and, and just act impulsively. But if you look at verse 7, it says, after seriously considering the matter, he talked to them, right? So he seriously considers the matter. I put this as, if you want to lead in a time of crisis, you not only need to hear the people, you need to plan the response. Now, the Bible teaches this in a number of places. One, one thing, uh, 
Proverbs talks about uh, the wise man considers what he says before he says it, right? Um, and, uh, you know, what happens when you impulsively say something? You hear those times you just wish you could take some words back? I mean, they just kind of came out of your mouth and you, oh, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Um, if you hit the pause button, allow yourself to cool off. It's amazing the perspective that can come. Somebody once said when you're angry, you, your body's preparing for fight or flight. Uh, so your brain loses the blood because it's going to the muscles and the, you know, to help you with fight or flight. And so when you're angry, you don't need to make important decisions, right? You don't, don't need to try to solve uh, problems when you're angry. Uh, allow yourself to cool down. Take a, a day or a few days to consider what you need to do so that you can make a smart decision not made in anger uh, and that you can pray about it, you can ask for counsel. Um, I think of, uh, of uh, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, uh, he, he was becoming king after Solomon. Talk about walking into a sweet situation. Israel had the widest borders they'd ever had, the most money they ever had. Uh, prosperity that you can't imagine. Rehoboam walks into it, and uh, the people say, Hey, look, uh, we've had it kind of hard under your father. He has taxed us, and he has made things difficult for us. Uh, would you consider lightening our load? And, and uh, so he has two sets of counselors. He goes to the younger counselors, and they say, You tell them that you know, my, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to show you what power is. It, he goes to the older counselors that had counseled his father Solomon, and they say, if you will listen to these people and you will respond to them according to what they're asking, they will be your servants forever. But guess what? He listens to the young counselors. He, does, he, he goes and he tells them this this thing, hey, you've not seen anything yet. Uh, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. So ten of the tribe said, hey, you know, no thanks. We're, and they, they went and they separated. They became their own nation, the northern tribes, and sent Jeroboam over them. Uh, so Rehoboam didn't do a good job listening. Uh, he didn't do a good job considering either. If he'd have gone to God in prayer, God would have guided him, but he didn't do that. Uh, he didn't take the time uh, and, and didn't value the godly people uh, that, that God had provided uh, during his father's reign. And he listened to the wrong counselor. So planning the response is important, but you need to make sure you go to the right people. Don't go to the unspiritual people who are critical and gossiping all the time. Go to the spiritual people who are godly and holy and living a, a good life and uh, are tr that are trustworthy. And, and hear uh, what some wisdom from God's Word will say. And hear uh, maybe some wisdom of experience that's there. And, and then take those things to God in prayer and plan the response uh, that, that you need to plan. Now this can apply if you, maybe if you're trying to, to lead your kids. Um, you take these things to God in prayer. You hear about the problem. Lord, you know, it kind of can get complicated sometimes when you're trying to talk to family members, Right? Should I say this or should I not say this? Um, and so you may need to pray about that. Uh, but uh, ask God to give you wisdom and to help you at the right time to give you the opportunity to
to influence that family member or that friend or loved one. Um, or if you're in a leadership position, uh, ask God to lead you in uh, dealing with the, the matter before you. And so Nick, uh, um, Nehemiah did this and planned the response he was going to make. And then he acted boldly. Uh, my translation says, I accuse the nobles, but really the word is that is used here is a word kind of for a struggle or a fight, okay? <laughs> so he comes, but he's just kind of, let me tell you, tell you something, you know. He's being very direct with them, and he's contending with them. He's saying, look, what you are doing is wrong. It is ungodly, and uh, he is, he's confronting them very strongly. And so, um, by the way, when you're in a time of crisis, sometimes you have to do some uncomfortable things. You don't need to do it in an ungodly way or an unkind way, but you can be firm and you can be bold in what you do and what you say uh, when the crisis demands that you do so. Uh, If somebody's being taken advantage of, if there's evil happening, sometimes you've got to stand up and you've got to say what's right, whether it's popular to do so or not. And... um, so, um, to leading times of crisis, you need to hear the people, you need to plan the response, and then confront the guilty. There's all kinds of scriptures that talk about confronting the guilty. In Proverbs, it says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Okay? So, uh, it, it is encouraging this open rebuke. Uh, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. You know, a true friend will tell you the truth, won't they? They'll tell you when you're out of line. And they'll do it because they love you, right? They don't want you to go down that wrong path. They'll tell you. Um, Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault, right? That's rebuke. Um, What about this? Uh, This is one pastor don't usually preach on too often. Uh, if the pastor is caught in a sin with two witnesses, rebuke him publicly. How's that? Okay? So it's, it's all through the Bible. All through the Bible. This idea of confronting the guilty. Uh, if we don't confront the guilty, if, you know, oftentimes for sin to thrive is when righteous people don't do what they should do in standing against what is evil. So... Nehemiah confronts these folks, and he says, look, what you are doing is wrong. He says, verse 9, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of God? In other words, don't you realize God's watching what you're doing? Don't you realize God's going to judge you if you don't repent of what you're doing? God's going to discipline you? And so um, Nehemiah is confronting them. He's warning them. And he's doing it in a very strong way. Um, so you've got to confront the guilty. Next, you've got to warn the reluctant. Warn the reluctant. Of course, he talks about the fear of God in verse 9. But look at verse 13. I shook the folds of my robes and said, May God likewise shake from his house and his property everyone who doesn't keep this promise. May he be shaken out and have nothing. So this is kind of a curse. In those days, you usually had a kind of a band around your waist. If you were carrying grain or something, you would kind of lift up the fold there, and you put the grain here, 
And you'd, it's kind of like having a pocket, you know, you'd carry that thing around. Well, when you got ready to empty the grain out, you'd shake it out, right? So everybody knew what he was talking about. This is what they normally did. Uh, and what he's saying is, if you don't keep your word, and these, these nobles who had taken the lands and, the, and had charged all this interest to, to the poor people of the land, he said, if you don't do this, you don't return these funds, and you don't return the land, and you don't do what, what I'm asking you to do, like you say you're going to do, may God shake you out. In other words, may God take his garment so that you have nothing left. Pretty, pretty serious business. <laughs> He's warning them. Um, when the author of Hebrews was warning the church that, that he's addressing in Hebrews, probably in Rome, um, he says, look, some of you ought to be teachers. You've been in the, in the church and under the word of God for all this time, and yet you have nothing to show for it. You've not grown spiritually. You've become dull, and, and you've become unhearing. And if you're not careful, there's going to be discipline. You're going to miss the rest of God in your life. So he's warning them. Um, John, when he writes to the churches in Revelation, he he addresses them and he he says, this is what Jesus is saying. These are the things he's happy with in your church. These are the things he's concerned about in your church. Uh, He tells Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, he says, you've got all these things going right. You've got all these programs. You've got your teaching well. You're faithful in your doctrine. You're doing all these things right. But he says, you've left your first love. And if you don't repent of it and you don't return to God as he's our first love, I'm going to take your lampstand away. So that's a a very sobering warning. So um, warning the reluctant. You know, sometimes people know what they should do. But they're reluctant to do it for a variety of reasons. Uh, So Nehemiah is saying, look, if you don't do this, I'm praying that God will just shake you out. I'm praying that God will just take away everything you've got. If you're not willing to do what's right by these poor folks that that are struggling uh, because of what we're doing here, uh, then then I'm going to pray that God takes care of you. That's basically what he's saying. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty stout stuff. And so they... Agree to it. Uh, the whole assembly, verse 13, says, Amen. And they praised the Lord, and the people did as they promised. So, um, leading in time of crisis, how do you do it? Well, hear the people, plan the response, confront the guilty, warn the reluctant, and finally set the example. Uh, if you look in verse 15, he says, The governors who preceded me had heavily burdened the people, taking from them food and wine as well as a pound of silver. Their subordinates also oppressed the people, but because of the fear of God, I didn't do this. Um, Apparently, there's a normal uh, amount that the governor was expected to receive from the people. Uh, He had people to entertain. He had, uh, uh, you know, any government official has got to meet with people. They've got to discuss policy and what needs to be done, and usually they're they put on a, a feed. And, and so apparently Nehemiah is very well paid uh, as a person from uh, Artaxerxes' court. And um, he's, got, he's got the wealth that he needs to live without taking advantage of any of these things. So he says, you know what? The people don't need to have this burden on them. And so I'm just going to cancel that and not worry about that. 
he says, I'm not going to, to uh, require them to pay this amount to me uh, as governor. And he, he's setting an example here. He is doing something that is personally costly to him in order to bless the people of God. And that's what he's asking the others to do. So he's setting a good example. Uh, and uh, as, as he does that, uh, his leadership is taken more seriously. Uh, and, and it's a greatly unifying thing. You've got to know that those people, they knew what they had to normally pay the governor, right? Um, I, I could remember when my dad lived in the state of Illinois, they had a state tax, and I can remember hearing my dad gripe about the state tax. You know exactly what you're paying to the governor, don't you? <laughs> you know, and so... Uh, uh, they knew this, and so the fact that they didn't have to pay, don't you know that that just made them think, well, boy, he really does care about us. Um, he's not just another person who's trying to take advantage of us. And, uh, and so as he takes these steps of action, what he does is he builds the unity of the body of Christ, and he strengthens it because he is, he is uh, a addressing the sin as people are sinning against each other he's addressing it he's calling it out but he's also setting an example of love for the people uh, Jesus of course set the greatest example um, because of his love for us he laid down his very life uh, what what would God call us to lay down for somebody else it might be a financial gift. It, it might be some time that we take to minister to somebody or to listen to somebody or show love to them. Uh, it might be taking the time to share the gospel, right? And maybe getting, stepping out of that comfort zone. But we're laying down ourselves for that other person. And this is the idea of what Nehemiah is doing. Uh, and, and it is the essence of, of good leadership because he is willing to have personal cost to himself for the sake of the people. Uh, this, is, this is the heart of Christ. So, um, leading in time of crisis, how do you do it? You hear the people, plan the response, confront the guilty, warn the reluctant, set the example. And uh, as he sets that example, verse 19 says, he, he says, Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. Uh, this, is, this is something we need to remember as God's people because if we sin against the people of God, who are we sinning against? We're sinning against Christ. You remember Paul or Saul? He's, he's on the road to Damascus and the light shines from heaven. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me. No, I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. I'm persecuting you. Why do you persecute me? Because when Paul was messing with the people of God, he was messing with Christ. That's kind of a sobering thought to think about, isn't it? Um, at the same time, when we do good for the people of God, we do it for Christ. And one day, every good thing that we have done for others will be remembered by God and we'll be rewarded for it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Um, and so, uh, as you do the good things you know you ought to do, as you try to influence other people around you and, 
and have leadership in their lives to, toward good things and towards what's right and towards what's best. Um, regardless of the response, as you do that, God will honor you for it. And so Nehemiah knows this and he's saying, Lord, remember me favorably for all that I've done for this people. He's looking to God to reward him. Uh, Nehemiah wasn't going to get a whole lot of reward for rebuilding the wall, except that it would make him feel good because his, his city was restored. Um, but, I mean, he wasn't going to get uh, much accolades from the, the Persians. He wasn't going to get any financial remuneration from the people because they were impoverished. Okay? What was he going to get? He, was, he wasn't in it for what he was going to get. He, he was wanting to serve Christ and be a blessing to the people of God, and he was looking to God to supply the reward. And that's the heart that we've got to have. You know, if you're going to minister over time, there's going to be times you'll be taken for granted. Uh, there'll be times that uh, people misunderstand what you're doing and they uh, attribute the wrong motive to you. Um, there'll be times people outright accuse you of things. There'll be times that people misunderstand. And um, I've had a few times I've had people make up stuff about me. That's really fun. Uh, but uh, this is just, you know, if you're in it for, for how people treat you, you're going to get disillusioned really fast. But if you serve Christ and you try to influence others for his approval, then you are assured that he will always do the just and fair thing for you. And listen, you know, you and I, we have the answer. We, we have the wisdom of God found in his word. We have Jesus Christ, the only hope for this world. Uh, and we can make a profound difference in the lives of other people if we allow ourselves to be used to influence other people for God. Thank God Nehemiah was willing to be used. I've shared with you um, a few times about some, some difficulties in a former church, and, but there are two families in that church and, uh, that were really a blessing to me, and, and pretty much... Except for the last six months I was there, the whole time I was there was a time of crisis. Okay? I mean, it was. And uh, these two families uh, supported me, encouraged me. They stood up and called things out. You say, well, well aren't we not supposed to, you know, stir up trouble? Well, trouble was there. It wasn't, it wasn't getting stirred up. They were just calling out what was there, the, the, the sin that was there. And, and because of that, it protected me, and it kind of shielded me. And I was so grateful for those folks. And uh, uh, the time uh, that that uh, season passed and that church entered into a time of revival, as, as we've talked about, but then also, um, from what I understand, they've had peace. Uh, and, and God moved those, those two families to other churches. But that church has gone on in peace. God knows... He sends people, I believe, for a reason to a church. Did you know you're here at South Clinton Baptist Church for a reason? You are. Uh, God is call if God's called you here, if you're not running away from somewhere else, <laughs> if God's called you here, you're here for a reason. You're here to fulfill the purpose of God. And uh, these two families, they, they uh, provided a lot of leadership, lay leadership in that church, that I believe preserved that church. I, I really honestly doubt if that church would be here were it not for those people. 
That's how, that's how important their leadership was in that church. And, uh, and I praise God for, for people that provide leadership in the church. Uh, you pray for me as I seek to provide leadership in the church. But also pray for those who are leaders in the church and those who have a gift of leadership. Pray for them uh, because it's not always easy, but they can make a profound difference. But all of us can do that as we're willing to respond to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us be willing to lead, whether it is leading a few people that we know that we interact with, or whether it's leading in our families or in, among our friends at work, leading in the church and in the circles of influence that we have. But God, help us exercise leadership as you've desired. And, and there's a few probably that in this church that have a gift of leadership. Father, help them to faithfully exercise that and bless them in that, protect them and help them in that, help me in that. And uh, Father, help us walk in the steps you've called for us to walk and, uh, and to do what pleases and honors you. And Father, bless this assembly. Lord, help us to thrive in you. Help us to have the blessing of your hand upon us. And Father, if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would allow Jesus to lead them into eternal life. And uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.